We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Helchus Shemitah V'yovel, Perak Yud Halacha Hey. And this is a little bit of a convoluted piece, but Rab Chaim's going to be analyzing the difference between the mitzvah of Shemitah, which is the sabbatical year every seventh year, versus Yovel, which is the 50th year after the cycle of seven Shemitahs. And there's certain exceptions in Halacha when those mitzvahs don't apply. But Rab Chaim's going to uncover some key differences between the two mitzvahs in this regard. Now, this halacha in the Rambam requires little background information. The Rambam in the previous halachas has been trying to figure out what year is a Shemitah year. He's trying to do the calculations based on Jewish history. And he establishes that 14 years after the Jews entered Eretz Yisrael, so it took them 14 years to capture and divide the land, that was when the counting of Shemitah began. So that was the year 2503 on the Jewish calendar, which means the first Shemitah year in history was the year 2510. Then the Rambam continues counting the Shemitah years through the first Beis HaMikdash and then the destruction of that and then the second Beis HaMikdash and the calculation he uses is a 50-year cycle, meaning there's seven Shemitahs and then the Yovel year, which does not count as year one of the next cycle, but it's year 50 of the previous cycle and then year one begins the following year. So it's a 50 year cycle, not a 49 year cycle, because Yovel is its own year, it does not count towards the next Shemitah. So based on that calculation, the Rambam writes that the year he's writing in, which is 4936 on the Jewish calendar, and he gives other non-Jewish datings for that year too, that would be a Shemitah year. Now, the fact that Yovel counted as its own year is notable for two reasons. First of all, as we'll see later, that's a debate in the Gemara whether Yovel is its own year or it does begin the count towards the next Shemitah. So the Rambam is taking a position on that. But second, as the Rambam himself points out, the Jews did not keep the laws of Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash. And we'll see later on why that was. But even though the Jews didn't follow the laws of Yovel during that period, but the Rambam says it's still counted as an independent year. So it was sort of a semi-Yovel year. It didn't have the rules of Yovel, but it did push off the Shemitah calculation by a year. So this background information brings us to the halacha that Rav Chaim's going to analyze. The Rambam writes that the Geonim, who were the Torah leaders in the generations before the Rambam, they had a tradition that tweaked this calculation a little bit because they believed that even though in general Yovel is its own independent year, meaning it's a 50-year, not a 49-year cycle, and they also agreed with the Rambam that Yovel counted as the 50th year even during the second Beis HaMikdash when they didn't keep the laws of Yovel, but the Geonim believed that in exile, meaning the 70-year period between the first and second Beis HaMikdash and the thousand or so years after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash until the Rambam's times. So during that period, the Geonim held that Yovel does not count as an independent year. So the Geonim tweak the Rambam's calculations by saying that it was a 50-year cycle during the period of the Beis HaMikdash, but during the period of exiles, when there's no Beis HaMikdash, it's only a 49-year cycle. So that's obviously going to change the calculation of the Shemitah year, and the Rambam defers to the 
Gaonim because he says they have a tradition about this and that's the custom to follow their tradition in counting the Shemitah year. So we see that there's two different ways to calculate the Shemitah year. The Rambam's original idea would have been to constantly use a 50-year cycle beginning with the first Shemitah in history and just going straight through. Whereas the Gaonim tweak it that when there's no Beis HaMikdash, it reverts to a 49-year cycle. Now I'll read the Rambam inside. The Gaonim said that they have a tradition going all the way back. That in the 70 years between the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash and the building of the second Beis HaMikdash, they only counted Shemitah, not Yovel, meaning it was a 49-year cycle. Similarly, after the second Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, they did not count the Yovel year, they only counted a seven-year cycle, one Shemitah to the next. And that's the implication of the Gemara. So that is the Rambam's quote from the Gaonim. Now, the Ravid questions the Rambam's interpretation of the Gaonim's view, and he says that maybe the Gaonim have a much more fundamental disagreement with the Rambam's methodology. The Rambam is saying that fundamentally the Gaonim agree that the 50th year is an independent year. It's not part of the next Shemitah cycle. Only when there's no Beis HaMikdash, it becomes a 49-year cycle. Says the Ravid, maybe the Gaonim totally disagree with the Rambam's entire methodology because they hold like Rabbi Yehuda in the Gemara who holds that all the time, even when there's a Beis HaMikdash, the Yovel year is part of the overall Shemitah cycle, meaning it's never an independent year. It's never a 50-year cycle. It's always a 49-year cycle. And the Yovel year is part of both cycles. So it's the completion of the previous cycle. It's the 50th year. And it's also the beginning of the next cycle, meaning it's the first year of that cycle. So it's always a 49-year cycle. So says the Ravid, how does the Rambam know that the Gaonim basically agree with him in ruling against Rabbi Yehuda? They only hold that when there's no Beis HaMikdash, then Yovel is a meaningless year. But says the Ravid, maybe they in general hold like Rabbi Yehuda, that all the time the Yovel is part of the overall 49-year cycle. So Rab Chaim explains the Ravid's question is based on the Gemara in Erchen Daf Lamed Beis, which says that even though the laws of Yovel did not apply during the period of the second Beis HaMikdash, but it still counted as the 50th year to push off the Shemitah cycle by one year. Which means Yovel doesn't have to be fully in effect in order to count as part of the Shemitah cycle calculations. As the Gemara says, Manu Yovlos Lekadesh Shemitin. They counted the Yovel in order to know the proper year of Shemitah. And the Ramam himself quoted this in Halacha Gimel. So based on that, the Ravid's asking, why should the Gaonim hold that Yovel counted towards Shemitah calculations during the second Beis HaMikdash, but not after it was destroyed? What changed? Once we know that even at a time when Yovel doesn't apply, it still counts towards the Shemitah calculations, so that shouldn't change whether there's a Beis HaMikdash or not. Nothing changed with regards to Yovel after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So says the Ravid, if the Gaonim are not counting Yovel after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, then it must be they're not counting it during the second Beis HaMikdash either, which is like the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda against the Chachamim. But the Rambam interprets the Gaonim differently. 
that in general they hold like the Chachamim, that Yovel pushes off the Shemitah calculation by a year, but they hold that after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, then Yovel became meaningless. Not only were the laws of Yovel not followed, but it didn't even count towards the Shemitah calculations. So we have to understand, as the Raivet asked, what changed between the second Beis HaMikdash and after its destruction if during both periods the laws of Yovel didn't apply? Why during the Beis HaMikdash should Yovel have been part of the calculations, but not after its destruction? So Rab Chaim suggests that there is a key difference, according to the Rambam, between the time of the Beis HaMikdash versus afterwards. And that's based on the Rambam in his introduction to this whole chapter, Perak Yud Halacha Aleph, where he describes the mitzvah of Yovel. He writes, There is a mitzvah to count seven Shemitahs and then sanctify the 50th year, which is Yovel. The Torah says you should count seven Shemitahs and also you should sanctify the 50th year of Yovel. These two mitzvahs of counting the seven Shemitahs and sanctifying Yovel can only be done by the high court, meaning the Sanhedrin. So the Rambam is saying that there is a requirement that Yovel has to be sanctified by the Sanhedrin. Otherwise, it's not a true year of Yovel. And that's also the implication of the Gemara in Roshanan, Davches, and Davchavdalid, where it interprets the Kiddashtam, that you should sanctify the 50th year, that the court can sanctify years, but not months. So that halacha implies that the court is actually sanctifying the year, just as in halacha, the court is needed to sanctify and establish Rosh Chodesh, the new month. Now, if the court ignores the moon and they don't sanctify that day, so then it doesn't become Rosh Chodesh. So in the same way, if the court did not sanctify the 50th year, it would not be Yovel. So that explains the distinction the Rambam makes between during the time of the Beis HaMikdash versus after. Because even though the halacha is that during the second Beis HaMikdash, the laws of Yovel didn't apply, but it still had the ability to push off the Shemitah calculation. But that's only if it's counted by the high court. In the absence of the court, it doesn't become a Yovel year even with regards to the Shemitah calculation. So that's the distinction the Rambam is making that during the second Beis HaMikdash, there was a court which was calculating the Shemitah years and sanctifying the 50th year. Now again, even though the halachas didn't apply, that was because the Torah describes Yovel as kol yoshveha aleha, when the Jews live in Israel. But if a majority of the Jews don't live in Israel, which was the situation during the second Beis HaMikdash period, so then the laws of Yovel don't take effect. But that's with regards to the details of Yovel, like freeing the slaves or the land returning. Those laws didn't apply because they didn't have a sufficient majority of Jews living in Israel. But with regards to Yovel being an independent year, which is not part of the next Shemitah cycle, that does apply even when the majority of the Jews don't live in Israel, so long as the court counted that year. So during the period of the second Beis HaMikdash, there was one problem with Yovel, which was they didn't have a majority of the Jews in Israel. So that's why the laws of Yovel didn't apply. But on the other hand, they did have the high court, which was counting the years and making it a Yovel year. So therefore it counted with regards to the Shemitah calculation. But after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, there was another added problem, which was there was no court to count the year. So that's when Yovel became totally meaningless and the cycle reverted to a 49-year Shemitah cycle as the Gaonim, according to the Rambam, hold.
Now Reb Chaim has a proof to the Rambam's view that Yovel does not automatically happen, but it needs to be actively sanctified by the court. And this is based on the Sifra in Parshas Bahar, where it quotes a debate between Reb Yehuda and the Chachamim over the issue of if there's a time when they're not keeping Shemitah, should they keep Yovel or vice versa? If they're not counting Yovel, should they keep Shemitah? So Rabbi Yehuda says that you should keep Shemitah even if there's no Yovel because the Torah describes it as shanim, the seventh year. So Shemitah is independent of Yovel. And Yovel is also independent of Shemitah because the Torah describes it as shana, the 50th year. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, neither of these mitzvahs is dependent on the other. But even if one is not counting the Shemitah, they would keep Yovel. Or if they're not counting Yovel, they would keep Shemitah. Now the Chachamim disagree, and they say Shvius Noheges Alpavishein Yovel that Shmita does apply even independently of Yovel. So with regards to Shmita, they agree, but Yovel Eino Noheg Elim Kenyeshimo Shvius. Yovel does not apply unless there is Shmita with it. So according to the Chachamim, Yovel cannot be done independently of the Shmita counting. Now Rab Chaim wants to understand what is the case that they're discussing over here. When would you have a situation where either Shmita or or Yovel doesn't apply. So he says the simple case where there was no Shemitah, but there was Yovel, is let's say there was no majority of the Jews living on the land for the first 49 years. So because of that, they did not keep the laws of Shemitah. And then in the 49th year, a majority of Jews moved to Israel. So now in the 50th year, they would be keeping Yovel. So that's the debate. Rabbi Yehuda holds that they have to keep Yovel, and the Chachamim hold that because they didn't count Shemitah, they don't have to count Yovel either. So this is not so simple that Shemitah also has the rule of kol yoshveha aleha, that it only applies when a majority of Jews live there. That is a debate between Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi and the Chachamim at the beginning of Moed Katan. And Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi is the one who holds that Shemitah is learned from Yovel, that it too only applies when a majority of Jews live there. So this Sifra, which quotes a debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim about this situation where there was no Shemitah, but there was Yovel, would be following the approach of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi that Shemitah too requires a majority of Jews. And so again, the case would be where there was no majority for the first 49 years, and then a majority showed up in time for Yovel. So this makes sense of the case where there's no Shemitah, but there is Yovel. But the reverse, where there's no Yovel, but there is Shemitah, is now very difficult. Because what does it mean that there's no Yovel? It means that there's not a majority of Jews living in Israel. So how could there be Shemitah? How is it possible to have a situation where one is counting Shemitah, but they're not counting towards Yovel, if the Sifra follows Rebbe's opinion that Shemitah also requires a majority of Jews? So if Shemitah applies, which means there has to be a majority of Jews, then by definition, Yovel also applies. So how do we have a case where Shemitah applies and not Yovel? So Rab Chaim says this would be the proof to the Rambam. The Rambam said that Yovel doesn't apply unless the court is counting each year of the 49-year cycle up to Yovel. 
But if they're not counting those years, it would count towards Shemitah because that doesn't require counting, but those years will not count towards Yovel. So that's the case of the Sifra. There's a majority of Jews living in Israel, which is why Shemitah applies. And theoretically, Yovel should also apply, but the court made a mistake and is not counting those years. So those years don't count towards Yovel. They're going to need to restart the count of Yovel and then count 49 years. But in the meantime, those years that they didn't count, Shemitah does apply even though Yovel doesn't apply. So that explains the Sifra's case when there's Shemitah without Yovel. It's talking about with a majority of Jews, but the court is not counting properly. And that proves the Rambam's view that Yovel doesn't happen automatically unless the court counts to it. Now, there is still one more detail which is needed because the Rambam just said that the court needs to count in order to sanctify Yovel. But Rab Chaim's the one that extended that concept that if the court doesn't count, then the Yovel doesn't count as part of the Shemitah calculation. That doesn't necessarily follow because as we've seen, there are times when the laws of Yovel doesn't apply, but it still counts towards the Shemitah calculation. So Rab Chaim's saying that if the court didn't count, not only do the laws of Yovel not apply, but it's not even considered a Yovel year with regards to the Shemitah cycle. And he formulates this concept very sharply based on a careful analysis of the Sifra. He points out that the Sifra is saying that if the court didn't count, it's not just that the laws of Yovel don't apply, but it's missing the very definition of a Yovel year. A Yovel year by definition means it's the 50th year, meaning they counted 49 years. If any part of that counting was missing, so then the very definition of the Yovel year is missing, and it's meaningless. Now, this is implicit in the whole Sifra's discussion because the Sifra makes a clear distinction between the case where there was missing a majority of the Jews versus where the court didn't count. When it's missing a majority of the Jews, that doesn't affect any other year of the cycle. So let's say, for example, in year three and four of the Shemitah cycle, there happened to be a dip in the population and they were missing a majority of the Jews during those years. So it's clear in the Sifra that the count would continue unaffected. Meaning if a majority of the Jews move back in in year five, so then Shemitah would continue, the Yovel would continue totally unaffected. We don't consider those years removed from the process of counting Shemitah and Yovel. And the reason is because they don't affect the definition of the year. They're a technicality. You need to have a majority of the Jews in the land in order to have the mitzvahs of Shemitah and Yovel. In the absence of a majority of the Jews, it's still a Shemitah year. It's still a Yovel year. It's just missing those halachas. So that's why the only debate in those cases between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan is if they missed a Shemitah year, does the Yovel still apply? Which is again a technical question. Do you need to have kept every Shemitah in order to keep the Yovel? But nobody's saying that there's a definitional problem with this Yovel. As opposed to the case where the court missed counting the year, so then everyone agrees that the whole cycle is thrown off. It's impossible to recover this 49-year cycle, and the court needs to start it all over again. Both Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan agree that there's no way that this can count towards the eventual 50th Yovel year. 
So missing counting a year doesn't affect just that year, but it throws off the whole cycle. And the reason is because you're missing the very definition of a Yovel year, which is that 49 years were counted. So it's implicit in this Sifra, the distinction Rab Chaim's making, that missing counting a year affects the very definition of Yovel and makes it a meaningless year, as opposed to missing a majority of the Jews, which is a technicality, even though it's still considered a Yovel year. So that's exactly the Gaonim's approach, the way the Rambam understands it, that when there was a Beis HaMikdash, so the court was counting the years, even though they didn't have the halachas of Yovel because they were missing a majority of the Jews, so there was a missing technicality, and that's why the mitzvahs of Yovel didn't apply, but it was still a Yovel year, so it counted towards the overall cycle of counting Shemitah. As opposed to after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, when there was no more court, so there was no counting. So then it was missing the very definition of Yovel. So then not only did the mitzvahs of Yovel not apply, but it didn't even affect the overall Shemitah cycle counting. It was a year like any other year. It was totally meaningless with regards to Yovel. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation of the Rambam's approach in the Gaonim. And it's based on the Rambam's idea that Yovel has to be counted. And Rab Chaim expands that to mean that absent the counting, it doesn't even have the definition of a Yovel year. It's like any other year. And he reads that into the Sifra. The question, though, that Rab Chaim asks now in the fourth paragraph is that the assumption of his analysis is that Shemitah is fundamentally different from Yovel in this regard. Because Shemitah does not need to be counted. That's why the Shemitah cycle continues unaffected by whether or not the court is counting it. That's the whole essence of his analysis. This distinction between Yovel and Shemitah, that Yovel needs accounting and Shemitah does not. But asks Rab Chaim, if this Sifra follows the opinion of Rebbe, that we learn Shemitah from Yovel, that it requires a majority of the Jews living there, so then why don't we learn Shemitah from Yovel for the other halacha, that it needs counting, and if it wasn't counting, then it doesn't become Shemitah. And he says in the parentheses, in fact, the Balamor does hold that, that if there's no counting, it's not Shemitah. But the Ran quotes that the other Rishonim disagree, so this is not a mainstream approach at all. So why does the mainstream stream not accept the idea that we learn Shemitah from Yovel, that it too needs to be counted in order to become a Shemitah year. So in order to explain this distinction, Rab Chaim draws on his own formulation that we just said as to why it can't be Yovel if they didn't count. And he said because it's missing the very definition of the 50th year. So that's very different from the other concept when they're missing a majority of the Jews, which is a technicality, as we said. So that's a p'tur, it's an exemption, meaning it is a Yovel year. But the Torah said that in order for the mitzvahs of Yovel to kick in, there's a prerequisite that the majority of the Jews have to live in Israel. In the absence of that, then there's an exemption from the mitzvahs of Yovel. And we derive Shemitah from Yovel. So in that regard, they're parallel. That if there's not a majority of the Jews, then the mitzvahs of Shemitah don't kick in either. But that's very different from the concept when the court missed a year of counting because the Torah defined the year of Yovel as visafarta v'kidashtem. That you count it and then you sanctify it. So if they didn't count the 49 years, they cannot make it a Yovel. It's not that they're exempt from it. It's that it's missing the very characteristic of a Yovel year. It doesn't have the definition to become a Yovel year. 
And Rab Chaim even formulates it more sharply that when there is no court, so it's not that anyone did anything wrong, there is no court that's capable of counting the years up to Yovel. So he says they're anusim. They're not responsible. It's impossible for them to keep this mitzvah. So they're totally off the hook from the mitzvah of Yovel because there is no way to have something called the 50th year. But you can't apply the absence of counting, which makes it not a Yovel year on its own, meaning it's missing the whole definition of a Yovel year. That can't be applied also to Shemitah because it's not a technicality. It's a definitional issue. And the Torah never said that a Shemitah year is defined by how it's counted. So that's why we can't learn out Shemitah from Yovel in that regard. It's based on a more fundamental understanding that missing counting a year is a more fundamental issue with regards to Yovel than missing a majority of the Jews, which is a technical exemption so that we can derive from Yovel to Shemitah. And Rab Chaim adds that this point too can be found in the Sifra through a careful reading. And that is because he makes the following point. The Sifra at the end talks about a case where there's no Shemitah, even though there is Yovel. And Rab Chaim explained that case is when there's not a majority of the Jews living there during the Shemitah year. But by the time Yovel comes around, a majority moved in. So that's how there's Yovel, even though there was no Shemitah building up to it. Now the leniency of Shemitah is derived from the halachas of Yovel, which require a majority of the Jews. So Rab Chaim asks, how could the Sifra say that they don't have to keep Shemitah when they're missing a majority of the Jews because they're not going to have to keep Yovel? Who knows the future? Maybe in year 49, a majority of the Jews are going to move in and they are going to be obligated in Yovel. So how can we say that they're exempt from Shemitah in the earlier years, like year 7 or 14 or any of the earlier years of the cycle, because this cycle is not leading to Yovel? When we don't know the future, maybe by the time Yovel rolls around, there is going to be a majority of the Jews and they are going to be obligated. And it turns out they didn't keep those earlier Shemitahs incorrectly. So the answer to this, says Rab Chaim, is we're not predicting the future about whether this is actually going to lead to Yovel or not, because that would be an irrelevant factor in Halacha. There's no reason to cancel Shemitah in year 7 or 14 or any of the earlier Shemitahs because it's not leading to Yovel. We don't know what's going to happen when Yovel comes around. The possibility of canceling Shemitah is based on the internal factors of the Shemitah year itself. Meaning since this is not a year in itself which would be obligated in Yovel, forget about as part of a whole cycle. In and of itself, this year is not obligated in Yovel because it's missing a majority of the Jews. So that should also exempt it from the laws of Shemitah. So this seems like a somewhat basic analysis, but the key point Rab Chaim wants to bring out is we never evaluate years based on how they're going to affect other years in the cycle. Every year has to be taken totally internally on its own. How within this year itself are the factors playing out? But we don't play years off of each other, meaning we wouldn't say something is not a Shemitah or a Yovel year based on how other years impact or factor into it. So now based on this idea that no year depends on how other years affect it, says Rab Chaim, that's going to force the idea that he's been saying that we can learn Shemitah from Yovel with regards to requiring a majority of the Jews, but not with regards to obligating a count for Shemitah. Because when it comes to requiring a majority of the Jews, we're not saying that the later Yovel year is going to affect this current Shemitah year. We're applying 
applying the rules consistently internally within the year. Meaning, since Yovel requires a majority of the Jews in order to become obligated in the mitzvahs, so the same applies to Shemitah, and if this Shemitah year is missing that factor, then it doesn't have the mitzvahs of Shemitah. But with regards to missing the count, so again, we can't say that the Yovel year is dependent on the earlier years. That's not the way it works. So we have to say that if it's missing the counting, then it's missing the whole characteristic of a Yovel year. But there's no way to apply the need for a count to Shemitah because then that would be the same as saying that Shemitah is dependent on the eventual Yovel count. And that idea we don't say. A Shemitah year has to be dependent only on its internal factors of that year. It can't be dependent on whether this is part of the larger Yovel count. And that's independent of the whole issue of Rebbe Yudah Nasi's view that we learn Shemitah from Yovel because he's just talking about learning the halachas of Yovel and applying them to Shemitah. But saying that the count of Yovel applies to Shemitah is already saying that Shemitah depends on other years, which would violate the way Rab Chaim's interpreting this Sifra. So when the Sifra says that according to Rebbe Yehuda, we keep Shemitah independent of Yovel and Yovel independent of Shemitah, and we learn that out from Sukkim, that is consistent with Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi's view that we learn the halachas of Shemitah from Yovel, but the obligation of any one year is not dependent on the existence of the other one. So Shemitah is not dependent on the existence of Yovel, even though it shares certain halachas in common with Yovel, and that's why we don't apply the halacha that it requires counting from Yovel to Shemitah. So Rab Chaim's bolstered this idea through this careful analysis of the Sifra and showing that each year has to be independently kept. It can't be dependent on whether it's part of a larger counting, which is why Shemitah does not have any obligation to be counted. It can exist even independent of the Yovel counting, even though the Sifra follows Rabbi Yudan Nasi's view that Shemitah is derived from Yovel, that it requires a majority of the Jews living there. Now, in the fifth paragraph, Rab Chaim goes to another source in the Gemara, Erchen Daf Yud Beis, which is also going to prove his theory that he's developing. The Gemara says that Sancheirev, the king of the Assyrians, exiled 10 of the tribes, the northern tribes of Israel, and he left the two tribes of Yehuda in the south. And then Yirmiyahu Hanavi went and he brought back at least some part of those 10 tribes, the lost tribes. So the Gemara says in the years between when Sancheirev exiled them and Yirmiyahu Hanavi brought them back, there was no obligation of Yovel because obviously they were missing a majority of the Jewish people were not in Israel. But once Yirmiyahu brought them back, they restarted the Yovel count because now they had a majority. So we see from this Gemara and Rashi's comments there that not only was Yovel suspended during those years when they were missing a majority of the Jews, but the whole count of Yovel unraveled. And when a majority of the Jews came back to Israel, they needed to restart from year zero and restart the Yovel counting. So Rab Chaim asks two questions. First of all, according to the Rabbanan who disagree with Rebbe, they don't hold that we derive Shemitah from Yovel. So Shemitah is obligated even when there's no majority of the Jews. So even though when the 10 tribes were lost, there was no Yovel, but there was still Shemitah. So there was still a count going on. So when the majority of the Jews came back after Yirmiyahu brought them back, why did the whole count unravel? They should have just picked up from where they were going because they had continued counting in order to keep the laws of Shemitah, which didn't depend on having a majority of the Jews. 
So that's question number one. According to the Rabbanon who disagree with Rebbe, why did the count unravel? Because they weren't keeping Yovel if they were still keeping Shemitah. Question number two is that even according to Rebbe, that when a majority of the Jews were exiled, there was no Yovel and no Shemitah, but there are still other halachas which depend on the Shemitah count. Like, for example, Maiser Ani is given in the third and sixth years of Shemitah. Maiser Sheni is given in the other years. And Rashi and Ksubis on Chafei Aleph himself connects the mitzvah of Maiser with the existence of the Shemitah cycle. So you see that there are other mitzvahs like Truma and Maiser which are dependent on the Shemitah count. So why, even according to Rebbe, did they stop counting the Shemitah cycle, even though they weren't keeping Shemitah or Yovel, but they should have continued the Shemitah count for other mitzvahs like Truma and Meiser. And when the 10 tribes came back, they should have just picked up the count from where it was instead of starting it all over. So Rab Chaim answers that it's correct. They were still counting even during those years when the 10 tribes were exiled, either because of Shemitah, according to the Rabbanon, or for Truma and Meiser. So there was a count going on during that time. And they could have resumed it if not for the fact that since Yovel is the real heavyweight in terms of counting, and they needed to restart the counting for Yovel, because everyone agrees that when the 10 tribes were exiled, they didn't keep Yovel. And when they came back, they restarted the Yovel count in order to be able to keep the mitzvah of Yovel. So once they restarted the Yovel count, that automatically knocked out whatever counting they had going for Shemitah or Meiser. It displaced that earlier counting, and it automatically restarted the count. So the restart of the mitzvah of Yovel, which necessitated a new counting, displaced and reset the earlier count which was going on. That's how Rab Chaim explains what's going on in that Gemara. So Rab Chaim draws out the conceptual point of this, which is it has to be that the count of Yovel is definitional to creating Yovel. That without counting, it does not become Yovel. So that's why they needed to reset the whole count when the 10 tribes returned in order to be able to keep Yovel. Because without a proper count, there was no Yovel. So that took precedence over whatever earlier count had been going on. But if you're going to say that counting for Yovel is just a mitzvah, you should do it. But if you don't do it, it's still Yovel. Then why should they displace the earlier counting by resetting the whole count in order to restart the Yovel? Just keep the old count going and start the mitzvah of counting towards Yovel from wherever you're at. So the fact that they took this restarting Yovel as license to reset the whole count indicates that the count is fundamental to Yovel. It's not just a mitzvah that the court should do, but if they don't do, it still becomes Yovel. So this is Rab Chaim's proof from this Gemara to the idea he's been developing in the Rambam that the count of Yovel is absolutely necessary in order for there to be a Yovel. And this is also the idea behind what the Gaonim say, that once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, there was no more count of Yovel, so the Yovel year didn't push off the next Shemitah cycle. The whole Yovel year and counting was totally unraveled, and the Shemitahs just continued every seven years. It was only when there was a court to count the Yovel that the Yovel year was a placeholder between Shemitahs even if the laws of Yovel did not apply. So Rabbi Chaim has another proof 
to the Rambam's approach within the Gaonim from his analysis of the Gemara in Erchin. But now Rab Chaim backtracks, as he often does, and he says that his proof from the Gemara in Erchin is not ironclad, because one could argue that even though it's just a mitzvah to count the 50 years to Yovel, it's not a requirement that if one doesn't do it, it unravels the whole Yovel. There's still a Yovel even if the court doesn't count. It's just a mitzvah. And still, they restarted the count of the Yovel in order to perform the mitzvah properly. So there's no 100% proof that the reason they restarted the count when a majority of the Jews came back was in order to be able to keep Yovel. Maybe anyways they were going to be able to keep Yovel, but they wanted to do the mitzvah of counting to Yovel, so that's why they reset the whole count. Says Rab Chaim, no, that can't be, meaning he could defend his idea here that it's ironclad, because there's another source in that Gemara, according to the Rabbanan, who disagree with Rabbi Yehuda, and they hold that Yovel is the 50th year, meaning it pushes off the Shemitah cycle, so they have a 50-year cycle, as opposed to Rabbi Yehuda's 49-year cycle. So the Gemara says that according to the Rabbanan, there's a Brisa that during the first Beis HaMikdash, there were 17 Yovels. That's how the math comes out based on their count. So you see that there was no break during that time period when the 10 tribes were exiled. So even though the Gemara just told us that when the majority was missing because they were exiled, they stopped counting. But now we have a flat out contradiction because it says that according to the Rabbanan who have a 50 year cycle, they counted straight through 17 cycles. So where was the break while a majority of the Jews were missing? So says Rab Chaim, the answer is that the court could count even though they're missing a majority of the Jews. As it's clear in the Sifra also that even when there's no Shemitah, meaning they're missing a majority of the Jews, they could still keep Yovel if a majority shows up in year 49. So obviously they've been counting throughout that cycle. So the Sifra is clear that even if they're missing a majority of the Jews, so the laws of Yovel would not apply, and potentially, according to Rebbe, even the laws of Shemitah wouldn't apply, but it would still be a valid count towards Yovel if the court counts towards Yovel. So the Brisa, according to the Rabbanan of Rebbe Yehuda, that says that they counted straight 17 Yovel cycles, that makes sense. Even though they were missing a majority of the Jews, still the court did the proper counting. So there were 17 cycles. The other Brisa that holds that they restarted the count because Yovel restarted, so they hold that the court hadn't counted during those years. Not that they couldn't have counted. The first Brisa also agrees that halachically the court could have counted, but the first Brisa holds that historically they did not. So that's why when a majority of the Jews returned, they had to restart the Yovel count in order to be able to keep Yovel. So the debate between these two Brisas is historical. Everyone holds that when they were missing a majority of the Jews, they didn't keep the laws of Yovel. But if they wanted to count, that would have been a valid counting. The question is, did they count? One Brisa holds they did. That's why the Yovel cycles went straight through the first Beis HaMikdash period. And the other Brisa holds that they lapsed in their counting. And that's why when a majority of the Jews came back, they had to restart the counting. 
So introducing this other b'risa now proves Rab Chaim's point that it was a necessity to count. It wasn't just a mitzvah because if the issue is whether they kept the mitzvah of counting Yovel, so then that would mean the b'risas are disagreeing about whether they reset the count in order to do the mitzvah, which seems unlikely. So the debate between the b'risas seems to be historical whether they had a Yovel count to continue or they needed to reset it because it's an absolute necessity to count in order to be able to keep Yovel. So this analysis is going to reinforce Rab Chaim's idea that the count is a necessity for the mitzvah of Yovel. And he says that the way he's reading this Gemara seems to be also how Tosus understood it because in Erechen he asks that these two brises contradict each other. One says that they counted straight through the first base on Mikdash and the other says that that they took a break while the 10 tribes were exiled. And Tosos answers that there's a distinction between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan. That since according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Yovel year is not a placeholder. It's part of the Shemitah cycle. It's total a 49-year cycle. So once they were missing a majority of the Jews living in Israel, there was no relevance to the Yovel year because there were no halachas of Yovel. And Yovel didn't affect the counting of the Shemitah cycle in any way. So that's why they stopped counting during that period. And they had to restart when a majority of the Jews returned. But according to the Rabbanan, that Yovel is a placeholder. It pushes off the Shemitah cycle by a year, meaning it's a 50-year cycle. So even when they were missing a majority of the Jews and the laws of Yovel didn't apply, but it was still important to count Yovel as part of their cycle because they needed to push off the next Shemitah cycle by another year. So according to the Rabbanan, they counted the Yovel straight through that entire period, even when they were missing a majority of the Jews. So that's Tosos's answer, why one Brisa says that they counted straight through, and one Brisa says they took a break while the 10 tribes were exiled. The answer is that according to Rebbe Yehuda, they took a break, but according to the Rabbanan, they counted straight through. And that's what the Gemara says on Daf Lamed Gimel. But Rab Chaim asks that according to this approach in Rebbe Yehuda, that they took a break because the Yovel years were irrelevant when the laws of Yovel didn't apply, how did they restart the count and reset everything when they had been counting the Shemitah cycle up until then? So why should the Yovel count take precedence over the Shemitah count and change the Shemitah years in order to be able to count Yovel? So it has to be, like Rab Chaim's been saying, that this wasn't just a mitzvah to count Yovel and they had the choice whether or not to do it. But rather, the count of Yovel is a necessity for keeping Yovel. And if they didn't reset the count, that would have canceled the whole Yovel. So that's why the Yovel count took priority over the existing Shemitah count and they reset the count even though it affected Shemitah because this was an absolute necessity in order to be able to keep the mitzvah of Yovel. It wasn't optional, it wasn't extra credit as part of the mitzvah of Yovel, but if they hadn't reset the count, then they weren't going to be able to keep Yovel after 50 years. So even according to Tosvos, who has a different formulation of explaining this Gemara, but Rab Chaim says that he also is going to agree with Rab Chaim's idea that the count of Yovel is a necessity, it's not just a mitzvah. Now, in the last paragraph, Rab Chaim comes back to the Ravid because he disagreed with the Rambam, and he said that the Gaonim who don't count Yovel post the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash 
also don't count Yovel during the time of the Beis HaMikdash because they hold like Rabbi Yehuda that Yovel is the 49th, not the 50th year. So the Ravid disputes the distinction the Rambam makes between when they count the Yovel during the Beis HaMikdash versus when there is no count after its destruction. So Rab Chaim says that either the Ravid holds that you don't need to count Yovel in order to have a Yovel year, so he disagrees with the main thesis Rab Chaim's been developing based on the Rambam, or alternatively, maybe the Ravid agrees that you need a count in order for it to be Yovel, but he holds that that only applies to the halachas of Yovel. But with regards to Yovel being the 50th year and pushing off the Shemitah cycle, that can happen even without a count. So he distinguishes between being obligated in the halachas of Yovel versus it being a Yovel year with regards to the Shemitah cycle count. But says Rab Chaim, even this second option is going to indicate that the Ravid doesn't really require the count of Yovel as a necessity for the Yovel year. And this is based on a theme that Rab Chaim's been saying throughout, that if the count of Yovel is definitional, then if you're missing some of the count, it cannot be a Yovel year at all. So the fact that the Ravid says that even without a Yovel count, it still is considered a Yovel year in regards to the Shemitah cycle count, it means that he doesn't hold of the idea Rab Chaim's been saying. Because if he did believe that the count is the very definition of the Yovel year, then absent the counting, it can't be anything. Not just that the halachas are canceled, but the whole year is canceled. It's not considered a Yovel year at all. So the fact that the Ravid could say that even without counting a full 49-year cycle, the 50th year is still considered a Yovel year in whatever regard, even if it's just in terms of pushing off the next Shemitah cycle, but that automatically means that the Ravid does not believe that the 49-year count is the very definition of Yovel. Because since you're missing some of that counting, it's totally meaningless with regards to Yovel. So says Rab Chaim, at the end of the day, the Ravid is going to disagree with the Rambam that even though there was missing some of the count, it's still considered in some regard at least a Yovel year because Yovel is not defined as the 50th year of the count. It's the 50th year on the timeline even if they didn't count it. So the count is not the definition of Yovel. Yovel comes automatically on its own and the count is a mitzvah during those 49 years. So we've seen in the Ravid that the missing count is not going to affect whether Yovel is part of the Shemitah cycle count and it pushes it off by a year. But now Rab Chaim introduces a new question in the Ravid. What about the Kiddush? Because in addition to counting the 49 years up to Yovel, the court also has to sanctify the Yovel year. So after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, there's no more court to sanctify the Yovel year. So that's also missing. So how does the Ravid get around that problem? So either the Ravid holds that the Kiddush, the sanctification of Yovel, is also not a necessity. So even if a year is missing, not only the count, but also the Kiddush in the 50th year, it's still considered a Yovel year. Or alternatively, the Ravid might hold that the count is not a necessity, but the Kiddush is a necessity. So it cannot be considered a Yovel year unless the court sanctified it. But he differentiates that that's only for the halachas of Yovel. 
But with regards to counting as part of the Shemitah cycle, meaning according to the Rabbanan, pushing off the next Shemitah by a year, then it could count even though there was no Kiddush. And the reason seems simple because the Kiddush of Yovel is not really related to the cycle of the count. The mitzvah of counting the 49 years is related to the Shemitah cycle count. But the mitzvah of sanctifying Yovel is connected with the mitzvahs of Yovel, not with the overall cycle. So that's why the Ravid could differentiate that even though without sanctification, there's no mitzvahs of Yovel, but it does count towards the 50th year. So this is Rab Chaim's question in the Ravid, even though he indicates that the counting of Yovel is not a necessity, it's a mitzvah. But what about the mitzvah of sanctifying Yovel? Is that also just a mitzvah or is that a requirement in order for this to be considered a Yovel year? Now, says Rab Chaim, once he introduced this factor of Kiddush into the Raivid, so the same issue could be raised in the view of the Rambam and the Gaonim. Because Rab Chaim's been saying throughout that according to the Rambam and the Gaonim, the reason why Yovel was canceled after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash is because there was no more counting of the court. But maybe the counting wasn't the problem. Maybe the counting is just a mitzvah. It's not a necessity. It's the kiddush which was the problem. Since after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, there was no more sanctification of Yovel, that's why the Yovel year stopped counting as part of the cycle. So now we can revisit the whole Rambam's view. Does he hold that in addition to kiddush being a requirement, the counting is also a necessity? Or does he differentiate like the Ravid that the Kiddush is an absolute necessity and if you're missing that, so then it's not a Yovel year at all, as opposed to if you're missing the counting, so then that might be a mitzvah, but it's not a requirement for it to be a Yovel year. So this is similar to his possibility in the Ravid who also might hold that the Kiddush is a requirement, whereas the counting is a mitzvah. But of course, according to the Ravid, if there's no Kiddush, it still counts as the 50th year of the cycle, whereas according to the Rambam, if there's no Kiddush, it doesn't count at all as a Yovel year. So that's their general difference that they have. But the basic idea would be that even though the Sphira and the Kiddush seem to go together, but says Rab Chaim, we could differentiate that the Sphira is just a mitzvah. It's not an absolute requirement, whereas the sanctification is a necessity. Without that, it's not a Yovel year at all. So even though they're closely related concepts, but we could distinguish that one of them is a requirement and one of them is a mitzvah. So is this possible to say in the Rambam that the real issue which is making it that Yovel is canceled after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash is the sanctification and not the counting, as Rab Chaim's been saying throughout the whole piece. So Rab Chaim refers to a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah and which records a debate in a case where they didn't keep one of the three laws of Yovel, which are freeing the slaves, returning the fields to their original owners, and blowing the shofar. So if they sinned and they didn't keep one of these, does that unravel and cancel the whole Yovel year? So the Chachamim hold that it does. Yovel is an all or nothing. So if they didn't keep part of it, then the whole thing is canceled. And their view is based on the idea that they interpret the Pasuk of Yovel He. It is Yovel that it goes both Lifanov to the prior topic, which was returning the field, and Shalifnei Panov, the topic two before it, which is blowing the shofar. 
So it includes everything that's written in those psukim, and if they omitted any part of it, so then the whole yovel is canceled. So Rab Chaim points out that the vikidashtem, the mitzvah of sanctifying the yovel year, is written between blowing the shofar and returning the fields. So if the Chachamim hold that this whole thing is mandatory, and if you're missing any part of it, it's not a Yovel year, then that logic should also include the Vikidashtem, the need to sanctify the Yovel year. So based on that Gemara, that everything written in those Psukim is necessary in order for it to be a Yovel, it should also follow that the sanctification is necessary for it to be a Yovel. But that doesn't seem true because the Rambam in Shemitah Yovel Yud Yud Gimel, when he quotes this halacha, he just writes, Shlosha Dvar Ma'akvin B'Yovel, that there are three things that are requirements for Yovel, blowing the shofar, freeing the slaves, and returning the fields. But he doesn't say anything about the sanctification. So why didn't the Rambam include in his list of mandatory requirements also the fourth obligation of sanctifying Yovel? So says Rab Chaim, from the way the Rambam formulates it, it's clear that that Gemara, which says that all of the mitzvahs of Yovel are mandatory or the whole thing falls apart, is only referring to those three mitzvahs of blowing the shofar, freeing the slaves, and returning the fields. But the mitzvah of sanctifying Yovel is not derived from that Gemara. Meaning sanctifying Yovel is not a mitzvah which has to be done or the whole Yovel gets canceled. It's a separate idea. If it is mandatory for Yovel, it's not because it's learned out from those psukim, it's because it's the very essence of Yovel. If Yovel is missing either the count or the sanctification, then it cannot be considered a Yovel year, as Rab Chaim's been saying throughout. So that's a different category, meaning there's a category of mitzvahs, which if they're not done, so it's all or nothing. If one of them is missing, the whole Yovel is canceled. That we learn out from the Psukim based on the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah. And then there's another category of things, counting the 49 years and sanctifying the 50th, which are not part of that Gemara, but they might be a requirement for Yovel just because otherwise it's missing the very concept or the very definition of Yovel. So if that's the case, says Rab Chaim, there's no way to distinguish between the mitzvah of Sphira and the mitzvah of Kiddush because the Rambam included both of them in the halacha where he said that that's what makes a year Yovel. So if the Sphira is not a mandatory necessity to make it Yovel, then there would be no reason to say that the Kiddush is mandatory. Now, since we know that according to the Rambam, when the court is not doing the Sphira and the Kiddush, it's not a Yovel year at all, so it follows that both of them are a necessity. So this comes back to Rab Chaim's idea that he's been saying throughout that the Sphira, at least according to the Rambam, is an absolute necessity. And now he's adding that it would also follow that the Kiddush is a necessity because the Rambam formulates them both together. Now Rab Chaim asks, how is the Ravid who holds that the counting is not a necessity for it to be Yovel going to explain the Gemara in Erchin, which says that when the 10 tribes returned, they canceled their original counting of Shemitah and they replaced it with a new counting for Yovel. So Rab Chaim had argued before that the only way that's possible is if the count of Yovel is a necessity. But if it's just a mitzvah, then why should it take priority over counting Shemitah? So how is the Ravid going to explain that Gemara since he holds that counting for Yovel is only a mitzvah but not a necessity? 
And Rab Chaim adds that even the Rambam originally said that after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, Yovel is the 50th year, meaning there is a concept of Yovel which pushes off the Shemitah cycle. And then he backed off from that based on the Gaonim. So he changed his mind. But how could the Rambam originally have had the approach that you do count Yovel after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash when the Gemara seems to say that without the counting of the 49 years, it's a nothing? That's the whole way Rab Chaim made sense of the Gemara, which says that they displaced the Shemitah counting in favor of the Yovel counting because it's a requirement. But if you hold that it's just a mitzvah, like the Raivid and the Rambam initially, so how do they read that Gemara in Erchin? Why should the Yovel count have taken precedence over the Shemitah count? So Rab Chaim has two solutions for the Raivid. One is that maybe the Raivid agrees with everything he's been saying until now, that the Sphira and the Kiddush are necessities for Yovel to take effect. Without counting and sanctifying it, it's not a Yovel year halachically. But the Raivid differentiates between the halachas of Yovel versus the count in the Shemitah cycle. So the Raivid holds that the Sphira and the Kiddush are necessities for the halachas of Yovel to take effect, but not with regards to the Shemitah cycle counting. There, even though it was not halachically a Yovel year because there was no Sphira and Kiddush, still it counts as an independent year and it pushes off the Shemitah cycle. So the Raivid holds that in terms of counting years, we don't follow the halachic definition of the year, we just follow the normal calendar. So every 50th year is automatically the Yovel year, regardless of whether they did it properly. It's only with regards to the halachas of Yovel that they have to do the whole cycle properly. Otherwise, those halachas won't take effect. So answer number one is that the Raivid largely agrees with Reb Chaim's interpretation of the Rambam, that the Sphira and the Kiddush are necessities for the Yovel. That's why in the Gemara in Erchin, when the ten tribes returned, they restarted the Yovel count in order to be able to keep the halachas of Yovel. So it was a necessity, and that's why it replaced the earlier Shemitah count which had been going on. But that is different from saying that it's not a Yovel year at all, because the Raivet understands that even though it wasn't halachically a Yovel year, it will be a Yovel year on the calendar in terms of the Shemitah cycle counting. Approach number two that Rab Chaim says in the Raivet is that the Raivet totally disagrees with everything he's been saying in the Rambam. He doesn't hold that the Yovel year requires the Sphira and the Kiddush at all. Those are just mitzvahs. But in the absence of that, it could still be a full Yovel year. So then the question is the Gemara in Erchin. Why did they displace the earlier count with a new Yovel-based count? Says Rab Chaim because the Raivid disagrees on something else Rab Chaim said earlier. The Raivid holds that when they're missing a majority of the Jews, they can't even count towards Yovel at all. In other words, Rab Chaim had said that they could count if they choose to, and it would be a valid count, even though they're not obligated in Yovel because they're missing a majority of the Jews. The Ravid disagrees with that point, and he holds that the count won't be valid at all when they're missing a majority of the Jews, because when they're missing a majority of the Jews, the mitzvah of Yovel is suspended. So those years don't add up towards the next Yovel. Forget about whether they counted or not. Meaning, if the Jews are living in Israel, so they're inherently obligated in Yovel, even if they don't count, those years add up to the next Yovel. 
But if they're missing that requirement to have a majority of the Jews, so then they can't use those years at all, regardless of whether they counted or not. And says Rab Chaim, the Raivid could even answer the question of Tosvos that he brought up before, that there's another Brisa that says that they counted straight through the whole first base on Mikdash, not that they took any break. So the answer, according to the Raivid, is going to be based on the Gemara and Daflamid Beis that Manu Yovlos Lekadesh Shmitin, even when there was no majority of the Jews in Israel, they still counted the Yovel year in order to properly set the Shemitah cycle. So there was a constant steady count throughout that entire period, even when they were missing a majority of the Jews. But as soon as they got a majority back, they immediately restarted the count in order to be able to keep the mitzvah of Yovel fully because those years when they were missing a majority of the Jews didn't count as valid towards the new Yovel mitzvah according to the Raivid. So according to this second approach in the Raivid, he disagrees very fundamentally with the Rambam's view of this topic. And he holds that the Sphira and the Kiddush are not necessities in order for there to be a Yovel year. But that's all on condition that there's a majority of the Jews in Israel. If they're missing a majority of the Jews, then even if they do the count, that does not count towards the next Yovel mitzvah. And as soon as a majority shows up, they need to recount. So that explains why they started a new Yovel count in the Gemara and Erchin when the 10 tribes returned, even though that was going to displace the Shemitah count, which had been ongoing. But because now the mitzvah of Yovel was restarting, so that necessitated a new count, which displaced the old count. On the other hand, if they hadn't counted, it would still be a Yovel year so long as they had a majority of the Jews during the 49 years leading up to it. So the Raivit does not believe that the Sphira and the Kiddush are requirements. On the other hand, he does have a requirement that is a majority of the Jews have to have been living on there for the entire Yovel cycle. But Rab Chaim points out that even though the Raivid gives so much significance to having a majority of the Jews living there, he still holds that that only is relevant with regards to the halachas of Yovel taking effect. But with regards to Yovel being the 50th year of the Shemitah cycle, so pushing off the next Shemitah by a year, that takes effect even if you're missing a majority of the Jews. And that's clear from the Gemara in Erchin because it says, Manu Yovlos that even though they were missing a majority of the Jews, so the halachas of Yovel did not take effect. And even more than that, those years didn't count towards the Yovel cycle. And the proof is because as soon as the 10 tribes returned, they had to restart that cycle. So none of the years when the tribes were exiled counted towards that mitzvah of Yovel, but still Yovel was on the calendar with regards to the Shemitah cycle. So the Raivid has to differentiate between the halachas of Yovel versus Yovel being on the calendar with regards to Shemitah, that when they're lacking a majority of the Jews, the halachas are canceled, but not the Yovel year itself, which remains on the calendar. So that's why the Raivid says that if you hold like the Rabbanan against Rabbi Yehuda, that it's a 50-year cycle in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, then post-destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, it would continue to be a 50-year cycle even in our times, even though there is no Sphira, there's no Kiddush, there's no court to do any of it, but still it's the 50th year in regards to the Shemitah cycle. 
Now that's what the Gaonim disagree with and they hold that if the Yovel cycle gets suspended, so then that Yovel is also not going to count towards the Shemitah cycle. So even if you hold like the Rabbanan against Rabbi Yehuda that it's normally a 50-year cycle, that's only when every year of the 50-year cycle was potentially part of the Yovel cycle. But once it's suspended, so then not only is the Yovel laws canceled, but also the Yovel itself is canceled and it becomes a 49-year cycle. So there's almost a double debate between the Gaonim and the Raivid. One is, what is the main factor with regards to the Yovel cycle? According to the Ravid, it's that you need a majority of the Jews there the entire 50-year cycle. And according to the Gaonim, it's that you need to count the 49 years and sanctify the 50th. In the absence of those things, so then according to the Ravid and the Gaonim, Yovel is suspended. But the Ravid says it's only suspended with regards to the halachas of Yovel, but it's still considered a Yovel year in terms of the counting of Shemitah. The Gaonim say once Yovel is suspended, then it's totally suspended. It's not a Yovel year at all, and the Shemitah cycle reverts to being 49 years. And each of them is going to have a different way to make sense of the Gemara in Erchen Lamed Beis that says, Manu Yovlos Shmitin, that when they were missing a majority of the Jews, they still counted the Yovel as a separate year, the 50th year of the Shemitah cycle. So the Ravid's explanation for that is you continue to count Yovel years even when the laws of Yovel are suspended. Whereas the Gaonim, according to their approach, have a different explanation, which is if the laws of Yovel were actually suspended, like they hadn't counted the years, then it wouldn't be a Yovel year at all. But in the case where they're missing a majority of the Jews, so that's an exemption from Yovel, but it's not a suspension of the laws of Yovel, so that's why the 50th year continues to be Yovel. So there's two different ways to make sense of that line in the Gemara that they counted Yovel even though there was not a majority of the Jews. So this is Rab Chaim's model to make sense of this massive debate he created between the Ravid and the Gaonim. And he ends with one final point, which is a diok, a very careful reading of the way the Ravid formulates the Gaonim's approach, which according to Rab Chaim is going to reinforce Rab Chaim's interpretation. The Ravid again held that the Gaonim hold like Rebbe Yehuda, both when the Beis HaMikdash is around and after the destruction, that Shemitah is only a 49-year cycle. So they always hold that the Yovel year counts on both ends. And part of the reason for this, says the Ravid, is it's not possible to say like the Rambam that during the times of the Beis HaMikdash it was a 50-year cycle and after the destruction it's a 49-year cycle because of Zechar Lachorban. We're trying to remember what was done during the Beis HaMikdash. We have certain mitzvahs which we do in order to keep the memory of what was done in the times of the Beis HaMikdash alive. So the Ravid argues that this is another example of that. We're counting the Yovel nowadays in order to do the ritual which they did at the times of the Beis HaMikdash, even though we don't have a need for it nowadays, but it's Zecher the Beis HaMikdash. We're trying to remember the Beis HaMikdash. So if that's the case, it has to be done exactly the way they did it in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. We can't count 49 years when they used to count 50. So that's the Ravid's argument against the Rambam that if we're counting 
49 years now, it must be they counted 49 years too. Says Rab Chaim, why is the Ravid calling this Zecher Lebeis HaMikdash a memorial for the Beis HaMikdash when there are real halachas deoraisa that depend on counting the Shemitah? So the Meiser cycle, we said earlier, depends on which year of Shemitah it's in. And that still applies Midoraisa nowadays. And says Rab Chaim, the Ravid seems to hold that Shemitah applies nowadays Midoraisa. So there are very important mitzvahs which depend on the Shemitah cycle even nowadays after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So of course we need to continue counting the Shemitah and Yovel cycle these days. Why does the Ravid imply that it's because of a Zecher to remember the Beis HaMikdash, which is a much lower halachic status than the real reason we have to count, which is Mida Oraisa in order to keep Meiser and Shemitah properly. So says Rab Chaim, this language of the Ravid reinforces how he's been interpreting the Geonim. That the Ravid too understood that the theory of the Geonim is based on the fact that since we don't have a court to do the count and the sanctification, that's why the Yovel is totally canceled and it doesn't count as a year in and of itself for the Shemitah cycle. So that's why the Ravid said that any count we're doing nowadays is only Zecher Lebinyan, it's only to remember the Beis HaMikdash because it's not going to count at all. Obviously, there's a need for the regular Shemitah count, which is going to affect Shemitah and Meiser, and that's a Deoraisa Halacha. But the Ravid is talking about the Yovel count, which is not applicable nowadays. That's why the Gaonim hold that there is no separate Yovel year. So that's why the Ravid says that it's only in order to remember what was done when they had a Beis HaMikdash and could properly count. So according to Rab Chaim, the Ravid's language also points us in the direction of understanding the Gaonim the way Rab Chaim's been understanding them, that the key problem they have is that if there was no count of the court, to get to Yovel, or it was not sanctified in the 50th year by the court, so then in that case it's not a Yovel year at all, and it doesn't count towards the Shemitah cycle in any way. So that's Rab Chaim's piece. To go through some of the main points, obviously the main theme that he's stressing throughout is that according to the Rambam, not only is there a mitzvah to count the 49 years to Yovel, but that's a basic requirement of Yovel. If it's missing that count, then it doesn't become a Yovel year, which means the 50th year of the count. And Rab Chaim also adds that the sanctification is also part of the essential characteristic of Yovel. And if it's missing that, then it doesn't become a Yovel year. Now, the Ravid possibly agrees with this, possibly disagrees with this. In addition, Rab Chaim distinguishes that Shemitah does not require a count. Also, Rab Chaim differentiates between the requirement to count to Yovel versus the requirement to have a majority of the Jews living in Israel. According to the Rambam, counting towards Yovel is definitional. It's essential to Yovel, whereas having a majority of the Jews is a technical obligation, whereas the Ravid actually holds the other way, that having a majority of the Jews is a requirement versus counting, which is a mitzvah. The difference between an essential requirement versus a technical requirement 
is if it's missing some of that during the cycle, but then later on it gets corrected. So let's say they didn't count, or let's say there wasn't a majority of the Jews on year 14 or 15, and then by year 50 they correct it. So if it's essential, it unravels the whole cycle. But if it's just a technical requirement, so then we analyze each year in and of itself. So this has been a long piece from Rab Chaim with a lot of interesting information, but I just want to make a few brief points in conclusion. Rab Chaim's idea that the Sphira and Kiddush of Yovel is a necessary requirement, and without that, there's no Yovel year, is disputed by the Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Shinlam at Beis Os Beis, and the Or Sameach in Hilchus Kiddush HaChodesh Perik Beis Halacha Ches, and also by Reb David Karliner in his Chuvas Shelas David Chelek Aleph. At the end, he has some ideas about Shemitah on Daf Chaf Amad Aleph in the bottom in a footnote. So all of them disagree with Reb Chaim and they maintain that even if you didn't count each year of the Yovel cycle, Yovel would take effect. And the Minchas Chinuch says that this is obvious. And Dar Sameach also seems to think it's obvious, but he addresses one of Reb Chaim's proofs to his view, which is the Gemara that says, Shonim chadoshim, that you sanctify the year for Yovel and not the month. So Rab Chaim derived from here that the year has to be sanctified or else it's not Yovel, just like Rosh Chodesh has to be sanctified. But the Orsameach reads it the other way, that the Gemara is contrasting Rosh Chodesh with Yovel, that years is a mitzvah to do Kiddush, but it's not a requirement as opposed to Rosh Chodesh. So that's how he deals with Rab Chaim's proof from that Gemara. And Reb David Karliner deals with Reb Chaim's later proof from the Gemara, which says that there's only three things which are necessary for Yovel, blowing the shofar, freeing the slaves, and returning the land. So only those three are necessary, and without them, Yovel's canceled, but not the mitzvah of counting the years. That's just a mitzvah, but it's not necessary. So that's the proof Reb David Karliner brings. But as we saw in Reb Chaim's piece, he has another reading of this Gemara and he differentiates between things which are mitzvahs versus things which are essential characteristics of Yovel. So he defines counting the years and Kiddush of Yovel as essential characteristics, not mitzvahs. That's why they are necessary requirements, even though the Gemara doesn't list them in its list of three things. So Reb Chaim and Reb Davidol Karliner have a debate over what the inference from that Gemara would be. But either way, Rab Chaim's contention that at least in the Rambam, if the court didn't count the Yovel cycle or they didn't sanctify the Yovel year, it would not be Yovel, is disputed by the Minchas Chinoch, Dar Sameach, and Rab Davidol Karliner. Now there's another issue with Rab Chaim's analysis in this piece because he spends a while on the Sifra and he believes that the Sifra is following the view of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi that Shemitah is derived from Yovel, that it too requires a majority of the Jews living in Israel. So that's the case of the Sifra, that there was no Shemitah, even though there's Yovel. On the other hand, Rashi and Gitin and Daflamid Vavamid Aleph deals with that Sifra, and he indicates that it would disagree with Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi's opinion. And the reason is because the Gemara says that if there's no Yovel, there's no Shemitah. So that would be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. So the Sifra that says even though there's no Yovel, there is Shemitah, has to be the view which disagrees with Rabbi. So that's why Rashi says that Sifra is the other opinion. Now, Rab Chaim is saying it is the opinion of Rabbi Yudah Nasi based on the earlier case in the Sifra, where there's no Shemitah, but there is Yovel. Rashi doesn't deal with that case. The problem with Rab Chaim's view is that according to him, if the Sifra is Rabbi Yudah Nasi, and he holds that even when there's no Yovel, there is Shemitah. So who's the opinion in the Gemara that when there's no Yovel, there's no Shemitah? 
Now, Reb Chaim reads the two cases as different to begin with. The case in the Gemara is when there's not enough people to have Yovel, so there's no Shemitah at that time either. And the Sifra agrees with that. The case of the Sifra, where there's no Yovel, but there is Shemitah, according to Rab Chaim, is when they didn't count Yovel. So he seems to be putting together the Sifra and the Gemara in a totally different way than Rashi is putting these two together. Now, Tosos and Erchen on Lamed Beis and Beis does have an alternative way to put the Sifra together with the Gemara. And he does suggest that the Sifra follows Rebbe's opinion, that when there's no Yovel, there's no Shemitah. So Tosos suggests that when the Sifra says, if there's no Yovel, there still is Shemitah, it means when they didn't keep Yovel for no good reason. Meaning they sinned, they should have kept Yovel, but they didn't. So then there's still Shemitah, as opposed to when the laws of Yovel are suspended, then Shemitah is also suspended. So this is more similar to the way Rab Chaim is making sense of this, but it's different. Rab Chaim said that they didn't count the Yovel, whereas Toso says that they sinned and didn't keep the Yovel. So whether there's a substantive difference or it's just a formulation issue is not clear, and it's unclear why Rab Chaim is making sense of this in a way that's different very different from Rashi and slightly different from Tosos. It's possible that he sees in the Rambam some indication that he would have to make sense of the Sifra differently. Like maybe, for example, the line in the Gemara that Manu Yovlos Lakadish Shmitin, they sanctified the Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash just for the Shemitah cycle. So Rashi understands that that's Midra Banan. There was no more Yovel Midoraisa, but Midra Banan they kept Yovel. Rabbeinu Tam understands that they did keep Yovel during the second Beis HaMikdash. The Rambam seems to have a third or a middle view, which is that there was no Yovel Midoraisa, but it still counted as the 50th year. So maybe something like that throws off the equation of the Rambam from Rashi and Tosvos, and that's why Rab Chaim has a different way of making sense of the Sifra with the Gemara.